Howdy do, I'm James Baquet, also known as the Temple Guy. Come join me for a little taste of India, right smack dab in Nara, Japan, in this episode of... Temple, Temple A friend, hi Jesse, once asked me something like, after all the temples you've been to, don't they all sort of seem the same? I carefully explained that, as with wine connoisseurs, after a certain amount of experience, you start looking for the nuances, the gentle touches that set this temple apart from all others, and blah, blah, blah. All that blather goes out the window when you visit Tsubo Sakadera, also known as Minami Hokeji. We'll get to those names in a minute, but first, let's look at what really sets this temple apart. For reasons we'll soon learn, Tsubo Sakadera is famous for the aid it gives to people with eye problems. In 1965, expanding their mission both medically and geographically, they reached out to the Jalma Institute for Leprosy and other mycobacterial diseases, located less than a mile from the Taj Mahal in Agra, Uttar Pradesh, India. In gratitude, the institute arranged for marble statuary to be sent to the temple, and this is what gives the place its distinctive look. As we arrive, one of the first sights we see, to the right of a 33-foot Buddha that was added seven years or so after my visit, is the Great Stone Hall, built to resemble the temple caves at Ajanta, India. The structure is used as a columbarium, a place to hold the ashes of departed loved ones, and Japanese Wikipedia says in translation it was, quote, sculpted and assembled in Japan by a total of 120,000 Japanese and Indian people, end quote. I believe it. The exterior is exquisite, but in no way resembles the Taj Mahal, as many English web pages claim, and the interior is just dimly enough lit to make one feel that it really is a cave. English websites also call this the Jogando. I can't find any kanji, those are Sino-Japanese characters, on any Japanese site to confirm this, and so I cannot tell you what it might mean, though I did find one temple in Kyoto called Jogan-in, a mausoleum for an emperor, the name of which means something like multiplying petitions. That could be it. Up the hill behind the cave is another touch of Mother India, Ten carved marble panels depicting the life of the Buddha before and after his enlightenment, including some of the Jatakas, stories about the lives of the Buddha-to-be before he was born into this life. The temple's website says the work required 57,000 stone carvers, a bit hard to believe, based on a design by a Japanese college professor, and that it's 10 feet high and 164 feet long. I photographed the whole thing, not always very well. Remember, in the film days, we shot sparingly and without a chance to review our work. To the right of the main compound, across an access road, a 66-foot or 20-meter statue of Kannon, Avalokiteshvara, stands on a hill at the top of a flight of steps. This, too, seems to have required an extraordinary number of carvers, 70,000 according to the temple's page, and was cut in India in 66 separate pieces and transported to Japan for reassembly. Tens of thousands of sutras and foundation stones are buried in its foundation, which reaches down to bedrock. Its eyes were opened, the term used for the dedication of a newly installed Buddhist statue, in 1983. At the base of the stairs is another Indian sculpture, this one of the so-called Sleeping Buddha. That is, the Buddha at the time of his death, or as the Buddhists like to say, when he entered final nirvana. The nirvana he attained at age 35 was conditioned, since he was still in his body. This statue is 26 feet or 8 meters long and was dedicated in 1999, just a year before my visit in May of 2000. 
This completes the Indian portion of our tour. The main temple grounds are pretty, but not spectacularly so. There's a beautiful three-story pagoda reconstructed in 1497 and done up again some time after my visit. The hondo, or main hall, has an unusual setup. A typical rectangular worship hall in front is attached to an octagonal sanctuary containing the temple's main image behind. It's an 11-headed, thousand-armed kanon. I couldn't see the layout of the halls from the ground. Several other buildings, including a small exquisite tahoto, or treasure pagoda, rest on the temple's lower terrace, just above the Niomon, the two kings' gate. But at the base of the temple's hill, right next to the parking lot, is a building from 1958 that reflects the temple's deepest tradition. The story of the temple's founding also explains one of its two names, Tsubosakadera, or Jar Slope Temple. The other name, Minami Hokeji, or South Lotus Temple, is more generic, though it may reflect a connection to Kyoto's famed Kiyomizu-dera, which Japanese wiki says was called North Lotus Temple back in the Heian period, 794 to 1185. Anyway, the legend says that an ascetic monk named Benki Shami built a hut here in 703, and while meditating, saw yet another bright light shooting out of the ground, accompanied by a voice chanting a Dharani, kind of like a mantra, with the name of the thousand-armed Kanon. Grabbing a shovel, one presumes, he dug to the source of the chant and the light, and found a jar made of lapis lazuli with a golden statue of the Kanon inside. A few years later, his reputation as a healer firmly established, Benki was called on to heal an empress suffering from blindness. He held his beads to her eyes and recited the same dharani he had heard on the hillside, and voila, the empress could see. In gratitude, she built the octagonal hall, or its forerunner more likely, to house the image Benki had found. I doubt either the hall or the statue we see today is the original. I read somewhere that the current image is a later replica of the original, but still quite old. A later legend says that a pair of thwarted lovers came to the temple in despair because the boy was blind and thus unable to care for a bride. Though they prayed to Kanon for aid, there was no change, and at last, wishing to set the girl free while she was praying at Tsubosakadera, he leapt from a nearby cliff and BAM! He could see. Wedding on. At any rate, the temple has long been associated with the healing of visual problems and sells a tea and a medicine that supposedly help. And, unlike most temples, this one keeps its main image of Kanon on view at all times, as just gazing on her is said to bring relief for eye problems. No wonder some call Tsubosakadera the Temple of Eye Health. Now, about that 1958 building? It's a home for the elderly, especially those with vision problems. And that just about covers that. Until next time, may you and your loved ones and all sentient beings be well and happy. Adios, amigos. Hey, do me a favor. Check out the newsletter, which serves as the show notes for this episode, number 083, at templetales.substack.com. It has pictures and links, and at that address, you'll also find the archive with all of the newsletters. I think you'll be glad you did. In the next episode, continuing our day in China's Ningbo, we'll run into more Indian tradition, a temple named for the great Indian King Ashoka. <laughs>